Good morning, King Cuff. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. The, uh, this morning we continue our series called Our Father. We're in uh, our third week of the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to start with actually two scripture readings this morning. And they are not, it's not immediately apparent as to why these are the texts that I chose, but it will be later, so, so bear with me. The first comes from the prophet Isaiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 6, and it reads like this, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day he will say, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The second text comes from the other end of the book. John's Revelation, beginning in chapter 19, verse 6, and it reads like this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Please join me in prayer. Bless us this day, O Lord, with vision. May this place be a sacred place, a telling space, where heaven and earth meet. Amen. So, after reading those scriptures, I don't really feel like I need to preach. <laughs> they preach themselves, but um, I just, I love the imagery of the feast that we are invited to in those texts. And as we begin to look this morning at the uh, third petition in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I want to just recap a little bit where we've been. We've talked about the holiness of God and hallowing God's name through the way that we are in the world. And we've talked about um, how God's kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven and what that looks like. And that the kingdom is at hand, that it's actually present among us at this moment and that it one day will come in fullness. But what I think sometimes we miss, or sometimes we assume, 
when we think about prayer, and especially when we think about the Lord's Prayer, is that this prayer in many ways is a subversive act. Prayer is a subversive act. And the way that this particular prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray does this thing where it turns everything upside down. And the way that Jesus structures it does that very intentionally. uh, N.T. Wright said this about this part of the prayer, the beginning part. He said that if we don't spend time adoring our Father in heaven, seeking the honor of his name and praying for his kingdom... All our own desires and hopes will simply present themselves to us in a muddled and jumbled fashion, coming bubbling up to the surface in what C.S. Lewis called a steam of consciousness. Right? So you catch the subversive act, right? There's two things I want to notice about that. The first is, is that what Wright says is that not that our heart's desires are necessarily wrong or bad or evil, but that God's desires come first, right? So that when we pray this prayer, we, will, we would do well to note that the beginning of the prayer, the first several stanzas have to do with God's reality, God's holiness, God's otherness, and God's kingdom coming As he wills, not as we will. Wright goes on to say that authentically praying the first three petitions radically reshapes a disciple's perspective on what constitutes genuine necessity. In other words, it helps us to reframe our world, it helps us to reframe our perspective so that we don't become just a narcissistic mass of need, right? That's what the subversiveness of this prayer does. Reminds us that that we are not, our will is not the center of things, but God's is. But the image that this phrase that we're looking at today brings to mind this idea of give us this day our daily bread is so rich a theme in the scriptures. This theme of food and banquet and bread and wine and all of these different things that that are so beautiful and wonderful. Now the temptation oftentimes in our tradition is to downplay those things or even to make them evil, right, or sinful. But if you look at the biblically, biblical imagery around these things, you see that God actually has a very rich feast life, right? He, he wants us to understand the gifts that he's giving to us, and he wants us to enjoy those gifts. I mean, here again, the, the promise from the prophet Isaiah when he talks about that day to come, when he says that on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, 
Everyone is, in, everyone is invited, and the food's going to be fantastic. So think about the best meal you ever had. The best meal. Maybe, you know, your favorite thing, right? So if I think of, like, the top three steaks I've ever eaten, they were pretty good. Some of them downright fantastic, right? That's the kind of food that Isaiah is talking about. Then he goes on to say, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. It's a beautiful feast of all the good things and the good people that God brings to the table. And he wants, and that's the image of what it will be like when God puts all things right. That image of a feast. And then uh, John in the Revelation gives us a similar image about the wedding feast of the Lamb. That it's going to be this beautiful, amazing party where God gets all of the glory and, her, and his bride, the church, has been made, rid, made ready with her acts of righteousness. And then he closes that out by saying, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. This imagery of food and wine and uh, good meals together around a table. What a beautiful image. And when we look at the ministry of Jesus and the prayer that he taught us, we can see that Jesus felt the same way about these things. Jesus recognized the importance of bread and meals and celebrations and feasts in his ministry. I mean, after all, we celebrate every twice a month here at Kent Cove at the Lord's table, his feast of wine and bread and sustenance. Another way to think about that would be to say that all the good stuff happens around the table. That is true in worship, and that is true, I think, in our lives. And I think that's why Jesus gives us in this prayer this reminder of give us this day our daily bread. In the scriptures, the banquet is a sign of God acting at last to rescue his people and to wipe the tears away from everyone's eyes. I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of days and weeks and months in my life where I needed to be reminded, where I needed to be encouraged that one day I would experience that hope fulfilled. And I don't know about you, but I have experienced more times than I can count in my life the blessing and the hope of a meal shared around a table with beautiful people who love each other, who understand each other, and who wipe each other's tears from their eyes. Daily bread. So Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
This daily bread encompasses all of our needs as humans. Food, shelter, health, relationships, everything. And our Father wants to provide what we need. This petition reminds us that our desires should not be dismissed. They simply need to be put in order. Because now we are God's kingdom people. And we bring our needs before him. Wright, again, talks about this idea of prayer. And, you know, we have this way, right? Because what Jesus is teaching us, if he's teaching us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He's teaching us to pray for what we need, right? Not just food, but all things. But we have a way sometimes of trivializing prayer, right? And we think of it in other ways about just, you know, praying for parking spaces or our team to win, and there are teams that need especially some help. <laughs> or we pray for, you know, good weather for the church event. But, but he writes, he says, once we put the prayer for daily bread within the whole kingdom prayer, where it belongs, to turn then to specific things we honestly re- need right now is not trivial. It is precisely what children do when they love and trust the one they call Father. So there's a fine line in that, right? There's a a fine line where God wants to provide for us what we need. But he wants us to do it in such a way that we're not approaching him like a vending machine and trying to reach in and grab stuff, right? So a little story from our past as when we had little kids I will not out which child it was. But one day I got a call at my office from Gretchen saying that I needed to come to the grocery store. And the fire department was on its way. (laughs) Well, one of our dear children had decided seeing the big wall of the vending machines at the checkout that they wanted to get one of those prizes. And their little hand just happened to fit in that chute. And it went all the way up that chute, but it did not come back out that chute. Right? They wanted that thing. And their hand got stuck. The fire department had to come. They poured, I mean, they ended up covering him in a blanket and taking out the sawzall and destroying that machine to get his hand out. He could have just asked for a quarter. That's true. And now, we've, and now we've narrowed it down. So you know it's one of two, 50%, right? But my point in telling that story is that oftentimes we allow what we think we need to supersede, you know, what it is that God, the desires that God places in our hearts. So it's not trivial that we need things. But when we approach God's prayer, we want to do so in a way that where, like we said at the beginning, where we're reminded and we put our priorities in order and recognize that while God is a good father, that he wants to give us everything we need, that we have to order our desires in a way that is pleasing to him. 
So this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray for what we need, to ask God for the provisions for today, it's, it's important for us to recognize the reality of this prayer. That this prayer, if we pray it well, and if we pay attention to what Jesus is teaching us, it, this prayer is constantly reminding us of where we put or do not put our trust. Where we believe that our provision comes from. This is an especially hard lesson for us in American culture. Because we are a production-based economy. We are an economy that's all about producing. Produce, 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 produce. Build your wealth. Build your 401. Build your product. Build your brand. Build, build, build. Never take a breath. Never stop. Never stop hustling. Right? It's all up to us. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And in comes this subversive little prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us. Not I baked it. Not I earned it. Not I grew the wheat and ground the flour. Not any of that stuff. Give us. In other words, it comes from God as gift. No matter how hard we work, no matter how much we produce, no matter all of those things that we think we're relying on, this prayer comes in and flips it upside down and reminds us that everything we have and everything we are is a gift from God. Give us this day our daily bread. We depend on God's generosity. It reminds us that everything we have comes from our Heavenly Father and that we can trust Him to provide what we need. Coincidentally, this is also why God tells us to keep Sabbath. It's to rest, but it's also to remind us that we didn't produce any of it. Right? It doesn't depend on us. The world will go right on spinning without us. It's gift from God. The reality is, and most of us I think recognize this, and even I recognize this sometimes in the middle of the night when I wake up and my brain starts doing that middle of the night thing. You know what I'm talking about? The anxiety thing, like, you know, well, what about this? And what about this? And oh, you're not ready for this. And oh, and it just spins and spins, right? Anxiety about the future comes when we move our trust from God to the things that he provides, right? Anxiety comes when we move our trust from God to the things that he provides. So when I start thinking about, oh my goodness, I'm this age, and I'm not going to say it, not, can't make me. But I'm of a certain age where you start to think about, well, I've only got so long before retirement, right? And so I have to plan, and I've got to build, and I've got to do, and I'm, and I'm not ready, and blah, 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 right? Instead of recognizing that all good things come 
from God. Does that mean that I am absolved of responsibility for planning appropriately for the future? No, it does not. But does it mean that I believe that if the stock market falls, if, 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 that God won't provide for me? That's the question. Where are we placing our trust? Now, what does it mean for us to pray this prayer for others? Because this is that part of the prayer where we can get off track. Give us this day our daily bread. We can turn that into a pretty uh, self-centered prayer, right? But this prayer is, uh, that's part of going back to that beginning of setting things in the right perspective, right? Whose kingdom is it that we are a part of? Who is holy? All of those things. But what it means for us to pray this prayer for others is that we definitely should stand in prayer for those who are caught in the web of poverty, either by their own choices or by the injustice of the global economy. But as we have said, this is a subversive prayer. And so when we pray it, we do so with the recognition that we may and probably are those through whom God will or wants to provide bread. Right? The recognition of praying this prayer for others, part of that recognition is recognizing that we are called to be the answer to that prayer. Like, we see some of the evidence of that. Just one small way that we participate in providing bread for others is that massive pile of apples out in the Welcome Center. So, yesterday was the first time that we've gone to do the Sharing the Harvest thing. Gretchen and I went and helped pack apples. Um, and it was the 10-year anniversary of sharing the harvest. And, and we learned that they have provided in 10 years for over 3,000 people to be given the tools to feed their family in very uh, vulnerable places around the world, most specifically Kenya. Given them the tools to farm and grow their own food so that they might have daily bread. Does it cost us much? Nope, 10 bucks a bag. It's a great deal. But through that, we are able to help others rise up and, and for God to provide bread for them. So this subversive prayer invites us to life at the table of our Father which is a great place to be. Everyone is invited. We're all invited to circle around the table and to enjoy the good gifts that God gives us. And it really demonstrates and highlights for us trust in God. You know, one of our distinctives as a covenant church is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And what we mean when we say that is what this petition reminds us of. That it is God who provides all things. This petition invites us as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. It invites us to put our trust that God is indeed at work in the world and he will provide what we need. And we can trust that his Holy Spirit even now is providing what we need, that we might join together around the table and feast together 
in anticipation of one day when we will be around that table in the kingdom of God celebrating the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so, friends, I invite you to stand and join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven.